Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Time, and we have Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up. Tom Tool Sales Group, subscribe, give us a like, drop a comment, let us know how we're doing. So, ladies, big, big financial news here last week. There was just one piece of good news after another. I didn't know what, I felt like it was Christmas again (laughs) because of all the good news we saw come out of some of the financial indicators. We got the consumer price index for the month of December. We saw a really favorable jobs report. So let me kind of jump in, and then I want to get your reaction, and I really want to hear what you're seeing after all this happened, because this happened towards the end of the week. Weekends can be very busy for real estate agents. We're showing houses. We're meeting people. We have appointments. So to give everyone some perspective, the inflation data came in much more favorable and really in line with what economists thought. The CPI, was, uh, which is the Consumer Price Index, and I say this every week because a lot of people don't know what that means. It's the cost of goods like food, energy, housing, shelter. So it came, it was down one-tenth of a percent for the month of December, which was in line with economist expectations. And now people are coming out and saying, hey, inflation might have peaked here. We saw the markets react really favorably. We saw mortgage rates drop into the 5% range, so just below 6. We also saw a really favorable jobs report, and the stock market rallied. All in a couple of days here. So... What do you think about this, number one? And then what was the consumer sentiment after hearing all this news? Did they even know about it? Did you have to tell them? I want to kind of break this down because a lot of people don't know what to do with this news, and a lot of consumers don't even pay attention. Yeah, I mean, I would say most of my uh, buyers that I've been talking to weren't really aware that 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 had happened. Um, I think that they're quicker to grab on to the negative news that comes up, and sometimes when it's you know, all of these good things are are turning over, um, maybe not quite as aware. I don't think people are um, really, uh, for the majority of the people, they're not up on all the data and all the numbers. Um, it's either whether things are good or bad and, like Sarah said, what they hear on the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know from last week and what I've personally experienced, it was insanity out there in the market buyers and sellers. Um, So that's what I felt. We had a couple open houses over the weekend and you would have thought like we were giving away a million dollars or something and that people were coming in in droves. Um, So it was very positive. People were excited. Um, um, Have a couple of new buyers on board and, and they're excited. Um, They're super excited with the interest rates in the 5%. Mm-hmm. So to me, and they didn't even question, like it, mm-hmm. those three numbers never even came up. Um, they're just people, I think, overall had a, a, a very um, positive outlook about the real estate market. They were um, more concerned about, are they going to get the house this year than anything? Yeah. I mean, I also, I noticed um, this weekend when you went into like book showings, it was a much tighter schedule. Like there was, I feel like a little bit of a period. Um, and it's funny how quick you get 
used to it where you're just like, oh, yeah, like, let's line it up to when we can do this, this, this. It'll all line up. And then you're like, wait, they only have an opening here. And then you right. have to kind of like go in and rearrange your your showing schedule there. And for for the one open house that you had this weekend, my brother and sister-in-law went to it. Um, and they said, yeah, it was packed. Like, just it was like a it was like a line going through, um, which, yeah, I mean, people people are out. People are out. And it's not um, I mean, it was a pretty decent price point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was a so-called starter home. Right. Yeah, definitely a move up. Definitely. Yeah, a move it was up. a move up price point. And t- to me, that was uh, an eye opener. How many move up people are out there looking, seriously looking um, in that price point? So, yeah, it, it was kind of a free-for-all out there, but I'm super excited. I mean, I'm, like, stoked and ready to go for this because we're not technically in spring market, mm-hmm. and it is spring market feel. And it's the middle of January, so obviously and, and that, that, that that's a factor here. To give some perspective on the data we saw locally uh, is that we had uh, a couple open houses this weekend. This is just the open house data. So um, Stacy's home uh, that she has listed is located in Chester County and Tredefrin Township. Uh, there was 47 people that came through two open houses roughly over the weekend. We had another property in Newtown Square. It's a much smaller home, a townhome priced in the mid-200 range, and they had 12 people come through, which is a, that's a big turnout from that sort of open house. So what this tells me is that buyers are rate sensitive, and that five handle on the mortgage rates, that's pretty impactful. And this is what we thought was going to happen, uh, especially with – you know, we've been talking about what was going to happen in the month of December with inflation and everything else. So now our, our boy Logan Motoshami at Housing Wire, he's, he's saying that, hey, the Fed needs to reset their policy. This is the data they've been waiting for. And this has been something he's been talking about on Instagram. He's been talking about on every article that he posts. And then you put that in line with the favorable jobs report that we got. This is something not a lot of folks are talking about. The inflation data, that, that's all the Fed's been targeting. The jobs report, to me, is pretty critical. So if you look at the jobs report that was released uh, January 7th, so about 10 days ago, um, we had 4.5 million jobs created for the year. And on top of that, the um, unemployment rate edged down to 3.5%. So we're seeing really low unemployment, which... For some reason, the Fed keeps wanting to like push that up a little bit. They want people to go out of work. I think that is a bad move for the economy, and it would be something that would probably harm all the progress that we've made in getting inflation under control. And part of that is that there's just less disposable income right now because there's not all that cash in the system. People are out like doing things versus like staying in their houses, not knowing what to do with what they're what they're earning. So, and on top of all that, if you look at like the seasonally adjusted. Um, employment change by industry, the biggest gains we saw were leisure hospitality and education and health services followed by construction, all of which were kind of pushed downward by forelows and layoffs and things that happened during the pandemic, especially leisure and hospitality. So these are all good things that, that are happening here. Uh, so you're, you're seeing movement in the market. We're seeing that Buyers are, you know, kind of over that. It's not a good time to buy sort of mindset. Um, looking at all of this here, there's one factor people aren't talking about, and then I want to get your gauge on on the market is that we're also seeing sellers increase concessions in sales. Uh, this this to me is pretty important. Where if you look at the Redfin data that was out there, um, 
Redfin found 41.9% of home sellers in the fourth quarter gave a concession to a home buyer compared to the fourth quarter of last year, which was only 30%. So a pretty dramatic increase there. I mean, you're talking about over 25% more concessions were given, actually a third more, excuse me, more than a third were given by home sellers. So what does all this mean as we head into the the rest of the first quarter and, and the spring market and, and really when we see that seasonal influx of real estate sales activity? Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's interesting with those concessions are, you know, I think it then went on to say in Philadelphia, it was it was lower, right? Like 22 mm-hmm. percent. Um, so but I have I have seen concessions get given and I already on the listing side, we have accepted an offer with a two one buy down. Um, that wow, was okay. in the form of a, a seller assist. So um, now, you know, like they worked the numbers to where we were we were able to to accept that and it, it was still like a, a good solid offer but um i've also on the buy side been able to negotiate some things out that i think um previously would not have have worked or have mm-hmm. happened um so i you know i don't think that you can go into this now thinking like oh the buyer gets whatever they want and like yada yada but definitely they do not have definitely not on a case by case basis and if you strategize it properly I think that um, there is room for buyers to uh, to negotiate. Yeah, I I really think that this is um, definitely more positive news for buyers because there some buyers are even um, surprised mm-hmm. that you can get inspections or you you know you don't have to go so high over asking price or you could possibly ask for a seller assist depending on the situation of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so and when you you know, when you convey all this information to them and they're, you know, they're like shocked. Oh, really? We can do that? We can ask for that? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been successful in, in getting concessions, seller assists, inspections, mm-hmm. negotiating the inspections. Um, it's just, uh, it's it's kind of, it's, it's really, really positive for the buyers. This is going to be really important for, uh, and, and it's not just buyers, Stacey. I'm going to correct you. It's also sellers because a lot of times these sellers have to go buy a home. It's over yes. 60% of people... Correct. that want to sell they have, they have to go buy a place too and some sellers just don't want to get involved in that kind of market that we saw and if agents aren't educating people on and and forcing the issue a little bit we, we talked about this on our uh, coaching call today with jeff mays where he's saying even if the home sells or they find or like they, they don't like the property just set the next appointment with them and get them back out there and show them something else because most buyers don't really know what they want and they're so used to only looking at like two properties and picking one Instead of looking at maybe 10 homes or 15 homes, which was more the norm when you got into the business and it dramatically changed. Uh, but this is something like 15 showings is not like that unusual of a number, especially based on the price point. If they're looking for something pretty specific, obviously it can be a lot less. I- I'm clear that agents need to tell people this, like high days on market, make an offer. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for the price adjustment to happen. Get right. ahead of it. Because oftentimes you can probably get the home for less than what you could after they make an adjustment. Right, because then you get a new flurry of people that, yeah, are, are interested for sure. in it. Yeah, if you look, and especially sometimes you can go back and you can look, depending on how the home, how long the home has been on the market, you can look at the history and see, you know, they did a price drop every two weeks or every three mm-hmm. weeks if it's something that's been sitting for a little bit longer. Well, we're at, we're almost at two weeks. One's probably coming. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the time to put in mm-hmm. something a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before you before you hit that mark um, and your competition's lower because, you know, it's most of the people have been through Yeah, to see, you know, potential buyers have been through. 
Yeah, and I agree. If it's right at that sweet spot at two weeks, the sellers mm-hmm. are getting a little bit concerned. Yep. How come we haven't, you know, had any offers or mm-hmm. so? And if you're the only one submitting, I think if there's no offers in, if you call the listing agent and there's no offers in, it's been on the, yep. it's like such a great opportunity. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I've had, it's funny too, because I've had just this weekend, you know, had a conversation with a listing agent. I had the buyers. Um, are any offers in? Are they, um, you know, do they have any flexibility on that price? And he was like, put in the price that you think it's worth because we've had the price drop conversation and like all of the feedback has been, it's priced too high, but like this will solidify what I'm, what I'm saying, you know? So like, so the listing, they almost want you to put it, you know? Yeah. And I know as like, when you have the listings, like, no, you don't want to get just like way low ball offers and everything, but like, if nothing has come in yet, like you at least want something to be able to like start a negotiation with. Um, so See, yeah. I, I actually disagree with that because when you have a seller that do- and and it doesn't and I, I get it. I'm, I'm not to not to be aggressive no, here, cool. but um, and I said but so I, I obviously <laughs> I'm going to disagree with myself here. You need those low offers to show sellers what's up sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm. and and instead of you being the bad person, it's like hey, here, here's the market saying right yeah. now, mm-hmm. and. It, it, my view is that buyers agents have gotten a little lazy. They don't want to. They want to submit like verbal. I've heard this like verbal offer thing lately. Like, let me give you a verbal. I said, okay, well, I'll give you a verbal right now. And I, I've heard this coming from other folks. And we we got to look at the finances. You got to look at the terms, the price, all this other stuff. I would want as a listing agent the lower offer every time. It takes us thirty seconds to say, hey, this offer is no good. I'm not recommending we take this. But then the next time an offer comes in, if it's a little more serious, then you're in a much better spot. So. I would argue that every agent out there, and Stacy, I know you do this in your business. You'll write any offer, anywhere, anytime, within reason. I think there's sometimes when you, when you know that it's it's not going to work. But these these questionable ones, mm-hmm. I've seen people pass on writing those, and the home sells for what they were willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just happens every time. So knowing that we're seeing this, rates have come down. There's going to be more demand. I think you got to be very cognizant of that. That the demand's picking up. We've got concessions becoming more common. We've got this favorable jobs report. Until the inventory comes up, this is kind of the market that we're going to be in. The homes are going to move or they're not. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a buyer that doesn't want to deal in a multiple offer situation, I think targeting those homes that are look a little overpriced, I'd be all over putting an offer in on those right now. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now this, like this isn't at all a concession, but just curious, have you had any luck or any like, uh, Situations come up where loan assumption was kind of on the table? I have not. No. Yeah. I've been keeping my eye out. (laughs) I've seen a couple. I thought this was going to be a big thing. Yeah. And what I've realized after working through this, because we've tried, you know, working with these people, like, hey, you got an assumable loan. Do you know what that's worth? Most consumers can't even understand how assumable loans work. And because they're typically FHA, VA loans, they're not going to move anywhere else anyway. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, the, the folks that get those loans in most cases, they're happy where they're at, and they're not trying to make an upgrade or do something else. So I think they're, they're still, no matter the finances, they're still not moving because their life doesn't dictate a move. And right. th- that's been the one challenge that I've kind of seen with this. And it's it's confusing to consumers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have seen on a couple listing descriptions, this is a assumable loan. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, then those weren't the ones that um, – you know, my clients were interested in, but <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So we've got all this good news. So how should 
people that are considering a transaction in the next 9 to 12 months, whether it's a purchase, a sell, both, what should they be thinking right now? Because I'm clear that this may be the last chance for buyers to actually get into like a buyer-friendly market for a while because rates have come down. And there's these homes that are sitting on the market. We've still got an inventory challenge. And, you know, it, it's almost having the, having that same conversation that, oh, this home's sold. I don't want to I don't want to look at it. Well, we need to go look at bad properties. We need to look at some of the other stuff that's out there. So how are you advising? Let's start with sellers and then let's talk about buyers, because this is definitively the market going the other way from the financial increase we saw in rates, the in high inflation numbers, the non-negotiations. We've seen this all go the other direction. So what's your advice for people that want to sell in the next nine to 12 months? Well, just you have to sit down, have a conversation, go through the whole selling process and see what, you know, why are they selling? What's their motivation? Why, why do they want to sell? Do they have to sell before they buy? I mean, obviously, if they're job re- relocation, if they have a relocation company, that's a whole different ballgame. But you have to find out all these reasons what's going on so that they can properly plan their next move. And then there's always the question of sellers. Um, you know, do we update this? Do we? What do we do to prep the home? Mm-hmm. And again, you have to have a, an, an in-depth conversation of what their end, what is their goals? Mm-hmm. Because based on their goals, what do you need to do? Just touch up paint? Do you need, you know, a deep cleaning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should you replace the carpets? It really just depends. Are they investors selling, trying to unload? What What is it? So it's it's a lot a lot of information that you need to gather before you can give the proper advice um, on how to handle it. But overall for sellers, I think um, definitely you have to get all your information, talk to a couple of different agents to see who you're going to work with, Mm -hmm. um, who's going to help you the best. Um, Some agents don't even go over marketing plans or the timeline or some agents don't have a marketing plan. They don't Mm -hmm. have a marketing plan. Right. Um, so I think that's really, really important to get everything in line and set up. Yeah. I mean, I think finding out, you know, what is it that they are trying to net from, like, what do they think that they should be getting for this home? And then showing them the data that either supports that or might be different from that, just so that their expectations, um, are correct. (laughs) Um, and then also kind of going over the different strategies of what happens if you price it certain ways and Mm -hmm. um, what to expect out of that. Um, And exactly like you said, uh, sometimes you'll walk into homes where sellers are thinking, I need to do all of these things before I could even consider putting it up on Mm -hmm. on the market and then kind of breaking down like what you'll actually get back. Um, And everybody wants their home to show well. And I think it is kind of interesting because in some cases it's a – I think this is going to get me more money. And in others, it's almost uh, like, well, I'd be embarrassed if somebody came through and like yes. saw this. <laughs> right, so kind right. of like figuring out what is their reasoning for wanting to do the different like upgrades or fixes. And if it is all about netting the most, kind of showing what's going to help them and what they're not going to get their money back for on. That was a great setup, Sarah, because I want to go over the top stressors for sellers because a lot of agents don't know how to explain this stuff. And it's all relative to what we're talking about here. So Um, To give some perspective, like I said earlier, uh, 71% of sellers are going to be buying a home in addition to selling one. So all this data affects them, at least 7 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Almost half of these dual seller buyers are looking to upgrade. 44% of them want to make an upgrade. So you got it's, you know, that's a pretty significant portion versus the ones that want to downsize. So here's what sellers are concerned about. 
Not knowing if the home will sell within the desired time frame is a 56% of all the sellers. That's their stressor. So like you guys said, like, hey, here's how the time frame works. Here's how to time this. It's going to take X amount of time to settle. Most people don't even go over that stuff. And, they, and when it comes time to negotiate, they're like, oh, hey, this is a normal settlement period. Don't worry about it. Well, it would have been nice to know that up front so the sellers can plan because they still got to move all their stuff out. So 56% are stressed about not the home not selling within the desired time frame. 53% are worried about not getting the price that they want, to your point, Sarah. So that's right on right there. 52% are stressed about offers falling through, so contingencies, getting to closing. 51% specifically found it stressful to time the sale of their current home with the purchase of the new one. So there's selling within their desired time frame, but then there's the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most complicated out of all of this because there's so many things out of your that control. that number's not higher. Yeah. Like that that wouldn't be like... Well, there's probably some people that can buy without selling, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if they have a high equity position. So mm-hmm. that, that, that could be the case. That, to me, is, is the most challenging, though, for sure, just from, a, from what we deal with. Uh, 52% of home sellers worry about making improvements to get the home ready. So to your point, what to do to get it ready. And maintaining a market-ready home is a stressor for 43% of sellers, and 39% don't want to leave the house for tours and open houses. So mm-hmm. those are the things agents need to explain. And what you ladies talked about here, that's exactly on point. How's it work? What's the price? How do we make this happen? Here's how the showings are going to work, improvements, what to do to get it ready. And if you can explain that along with the data we just shared, that's going to help you. So I do feel for like, so cats, you can just have a cat. You're not going to put, you know, do anything with your cat when people come over for showings, you know, like that's very common (laughs) to have like, you know, a cat or two running around dogs. (laughs) I mean, that is if you've got a bunch of different showings and if you have to get your dog out for each one or Mm -hmm. go in and get it like in the crate or, Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, and kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, absolutely. You could probably put the dog in the crates, but you can't put the yeah, kids, you can't put in, the the kids in the crate. Um, and yeah, you absolutely. You could. You just might get arrested. <laughs> you get some negative feedback when you're. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. And certainly like maintaining a, a clean, yeah. a clean house like day after day. I remember different times um, just my family growing up. We had a couple different moves in there and I'm one of four kids. So four kids, pets. Like, my parents both worked full-time. Like, that was always such a stressor, like, in the morning getting out, like, to go to school, but also being like, your room needs to be clean. Mm-hmm. This all needs to be wiped down, you know? Like, just running around like Panic a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. So all of that for sellers, because that, that's the people I want to focus on here. Buyers can afford more home right now with the drop-in rates. We're seeing inflation come down. You don't want to be the last to the game here. I, I think I'd be moving up my time frame if I could, if I'm a seller and if I'm a buyer, just to see all the right properties. You're going to get that dumb, stupid advice from real estate agents to wait till after the Super Bowl. Don't do it. Stacy and Sarah are telling you exactly what's going on in the market right now. There's activity out there. Things are happening. And I only see this data getting better, especially now the Fed's talking. If you, if you looked at what the Fed was going to do, and we'll leave it here, and then we'll kind of come back and, and, and talk about some of this other stuff. The CME Market Watch tool, after all this data came out, they were pegging a 74% chance that the Fed was going to raise rates 25 basis points. So down from 50. 25 is not bad. I can deal with 25. That went up to 94% after all this data came out. So it's almost a lock that they're going to be raising it less than what they raised before. I'd like to see a zero at some yeah. point. Why? Uh, I, well, and, and I, I, you know, it looks like they're, they're that, that's kind of evolving. This was as of last mm-hmm. week. So. We'll see what happens there. But the Fed's going to have a lever to pull here. And 
they're going to have to back off of it, given what's happening in the marketplace. So we've got 14 days until the next Fed meeting, 14 days, 22 hours, 34 <laughs> minutes to be exact. There's a, there's a countdown, countdown on this clock. website, which is actually pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but that, that's what they're thinking it's going to target. It's going to be that 94, 95% range uh, probability they go up 25 basis points. That's a move in the right direction. And if this data continues, there's going to be more people that come back to the market and more sellers are probably going to be bringing their homes to the market. So I would, you want to be out there when you're the only home that, 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 that's there. That's the best time to sell your home, when the neighbors mm-hmm. don't have theirs listed. Exactly. Yep. So, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a couple, maybe they're stories, maybe they're not, uh, around NAR membership numbers, a $40 million class action lawsuit. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, Tool with an E, dot com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Gay behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every single week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Subscribe. Give us a like. Drop a comment. Let us know how we're doing and what you want to see covered on the next show. So... This is like a new segment. I came up with this this morning when I come up with all my good ideas at, 
you know, like 5.15 in the morning when no one's bothering me. A couple things that are like they're, they're, they're catchy headlines. I don't know if they're actually stories and, and they're relative to the to the real estate industry. So we got two of these we're going to break down and then we're going to come back on our third segment with some major news about the Philadelphia area and some uh, the recent lists and predictions from Zillow and Goldman Sachs. So the first one is about NAR membership and. NAR membership, despite a lot of people saying last year the number of realtors were going down, well, they were just making things up clearly, which tends to be what happens in this industry, clickbait headlines. NAR membership hit a new record high for the fourth straight year, north of or just very, right on the edge of 1.6 million. Uh, it was 1.58, 1,580,971 members. That's up 1.37%. From the end of December last year, uh, NAR chief economist Lawrence Yoon uh, says the market was rising in 20 and 21 and once new entrants start to invest their time in studying to get their license and establishing a mindset on business, they don't immediately drop out from the first signs of a downturn. So are we going to see this number continue to rise? Is this actually news? Is this something you're surprised about? What are your reactions to this piece of uh, information here from NAR and the number of realtors that are out there in the country. Well, Sarah and I both agreed. Like, I thought the numbers were going down <laughs> from the last clickbait uh, article, right? right. right? <laughs> yeah, so this is surprising. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> to read this. Yeah. Well, so the, the committee is predicting in May that it expects more membership to come down to 1.47 million, which would be a 7% decrease. So... Maybe some of these people haven't gone through like that renewal cycle yet, or mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think the renewal cycle is actually pretty key. And didn't we just renew licenses last year? I want to mm-hmm. say, so mm-hmm. this number may stay a little inflated until the next cycle. Now the flip side is, you know, with the, what the Fed's doing with unemployment, I feel like when that happens, some people say, you know what, I'm going to try out real estate. So mm-hmm. there might be some shuffling going on here where people are leaving, people are coming in. Uh, I mean, are, are what, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think this is this is pretty interesting because a lot of people said, well, NAR membership is down. Our realtors are getting out of the business. And I don't know if some of these people are in business in the first place because they're not selling anything. The average first-year agent made like $8,000 last year, according to the National Association of Realtors. I mean, I don't know how you live off of that. That's a, yeah, that's, a, that's tough. tough. Yeah. $8,000. Yeah, I mean, even if you can yeah. stretch a buck, that's uh, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. I think for the most part, once people get involved in this, in this type of business um, – it's tough and people have um, kind of like a false sense of, of what it actually is mm-hmm. <laughs> going into it. Yeah. Um, because honestly, the first like three to six months, you could be making nothing. And right. then your last six months, you make the $8,000. Right, um, right. And it's a lot, a lot of work. People don't know. I think they should spend the day with um, an agent that produces, actually <laughs> actually produces mm-hmm. um, to see what their day entails you know from start to finish just to get an idea of what's it about because people really think sarah that we're just you know just show sleeping up. in late and yeah right. not doing anything our phone rings and people just want to list their homes and right it yeah it doesn't work that way it's yeah. not that way you're it's a constant battle out there um but one that i love and that's why i'm still doing it but i think when people get a taste of the real uh you know, the real job, so to mm-hmm. speak, mm-hmm. Um, it, they just uh, fade away and get, get out of it, too. They might maintain their license just so they can help family members or friends. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a decent amount who get into it 
And then at about that six month mark, probably like, and it might be that like they like it and they can see the potential in doing it. But if they didn't have the proper nest egg or something there to kind of like support them until things really started rolling, they may have to, you know, either leave it or do it as a part-time job, which then you're never going to get it really fully rolling. You know, if you had to like take another job to make, to make it work. Um, I think that if you are doing this as a full-time agent, even if the market shifts and there is a little bit of like a downturn, like you're committed, you know, so you're, but maybe like those part-time agents are the ones that are like, oh, this isn't quite as easy anymore. Um, and then maybe they don't go on to renew. If you if you get into real estate and you have a backup plan, we heard this. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Yeah. Uh, I know you didn't have a backup plan, and I'm pretty clear you didn't either. Nope. If you have a backup plan and you get into real estate, you might as well just not get your license. Because right. when you have a backup plan, you're assuming, hey, you know what? This isn't going to work out. I ask sellers this question. What's your plan B if your home doesn't sell? And if they got a plan B, that means they're not that motivated and they're not that serious. If you look at these numbers, I find this really interesting because – I've been in real estate way too long. Um, it's 21 years. Um, 2006 is when the numbers peaked, and it was 1.37 million. And then it didn't even get close to that or didn't surpass that until 2019. I found that to be very interesting. In 2012, it dropped down to 1.2 million, and that was the last sort of like real market correction that we saw. Things were on a pretty regular incline. I mean, there were some years that were up and down, but it wasn't anything like – what we saw in 08, 09, 10, et cetera. And the number of realtors, this tends to be a lagging indicator, uh, which I'm not a big fan of because right now they're active. But again, the renewal cycle comes up. Then we'll see what happens. So what what I what I found very interesting is that the last time this happened was that big run up on the market. I, I do anticipate the number coming down. And if you look at that the, the where the number of realtors are concentrated, this is also very interesting um, 60% of realtors live in 10 states, which I found fascinating. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's all these different concentrations there. So to your point, there's going to be people that drop out because there's going to be less transactions this year. I don't think there's any question about that. There's going to be agents that aren't going to be able to handle it, that got in, got lucky. I think we've all seen those people where they did a couple deals. They were kind of they caught the right lead at the right time, didn't even know what they were doing. I mean, we've dealt with them probably on transactions. Um, they helped their one fr- family member or friend. So I, I do I do see this as real news for the point of the segment because this is, this is a high number of agents, and we're expecting a low number of transactions this year. I mean, look at the inventory challenges that we're seeing. And there's still plenty of homes that are selling just for the fringe agent that's trying to make 10 or 15 sales, mm-hmm. which – you know, the average is is still far below that. 10 to 15 isn't bad. You know, I think they're the ones that they get squeezed out of one, two, three deals a year. That can be the make or break. If they have like two or three bad months, they could be out of the business entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that um, the the number of their, what is it, 10 states? Yes. The majority? It's That's pretty wild. I did not know that. That's some good information right there. Well, when you think about where populations concentrated, like right. you're probably not seeing a lot of realtors in like North Dakota. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That... There's like one for the state, right? <laughs> and that would be a tough market. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think that people do, especially since this year, it's going to be more difficult with negotiations. If you don't have the skill set or if you're not constantly getting training or or brushing up on, on ways to handle changing markets and, and just new strategies and 
negotiation skills, you will be the first one to be out because um, this, this is the type of market that it is. Well said. So we'll call this a real story. I, 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 yeah. This is going to be something to watch here for, for sure. Um, the second story, this one, this one's pretty interesting. So Keller Williams is going to pay a $40 million settlement fee to settle a cold call class action lawsuit uh, to enhance compliance with the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. So what happened here was, and this, this story came out today, uh, KW agreed to pay $40 million to settle this class action lawsuit, alleging that their agents made unsolicited pre-recorded calls to consumers without their consent, including calls to consumers on the national do-not-call registry. Big no-no there. Um, apparently, this uh, violates the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, which was signed into law into 1991. Uh, they mentioned about calling expireds um, and not vetting it through the do not call list. Um, and many lawsuits have been filed against these brokerages and franchisers. But in this particular case, there was a class action filed in June 2022. This is a fast moving case, by the way, the fact that it went that quick. Yeah. Uh, and they went through the uh, court in Florida and their attorneys have also filed other TCPA. So that's the Telephone Consumer Protection Act cases against Keller Williams and other uh, companies, including Anywhere, which is formerly Realogy. And um, it claims that uh, basically the settlement, which needs to see, uh, see final approval, that 2 million people may be eligible to receive payments. What do you think about this? <laughs> Will it be payments of like $2 or it, something? It was like 20 bucks. <laughs> $20. Was it really? That is the nonsense in this story. Perfectly read, Sarah. I, 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 who cares? Yeah. Right. Well, I thought it was well, also Keller interesting. Williams probably cares. The forty right. million yeah. hurts. The one, yeah. the one paying it, like when it's that sum of money, is going to care. But the one getting it, like you're getting twenty bucks. It. I thought it was interesting too that it said like the lawyers are not to get more than ten mil. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, at least it's good they like put a cap on, uh, on what they were going to get. But yeah, I mean, and you have to wonder like. How annoying! I mean, these must have been very annoying phone calls. If you're like gonna then go and take further action against it, you know. But like for whatever amount of time you had to put into like pursuing this and like whatever for twenty bucks, I personally have never gotten a, a call, a robocall from Keller Williams. But I there, you know, millions and millions oh, yeah. of calls from the the home warranty or car warranty. Oh thing. my gosh! Yeah. So why? Where's the class action lawsuit against them? I and right. like you said, Tom, this was so fast moving. Like, they just filed it last year, and it's already right. being settled out. That never happens. Right. It's always years and years and years. Yeah. So it's something, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, and how many people did they find to? Two million people. Join into the, okay. Oh, I, I don't know who joined into the suit. I mean, they only needed one to make it class action. Right. But now there's two million people may be eligible for $20 payments. And see, here's the thing. The violation f- uh, fine is usually $500 and then it's 1500 for a willful or knowing violation. So they're not, it's just, it's way now. I don't know what the, the person that's on the other end of do not call us is supposed to get. It's supposed to be a fine. Um, it's, and, and it, it's just wild to me. That's what happened. Now, if you, if you look at like some of the details in the case here, um, you have to submit your claim by March 7th. There's a website set up. And potential claimants must have between March 2nd, 2014 and December 12th, 2022, without their consent, received two or more calls or text messages made by or on behalf of a KW 
or any KW affiliated franchise, market center, real order, et cetera, and they have to be on the national do not call list for at least 31 days um, or appeared on an internal do not call list of Keller Williams. Um, they had to receive one or more call or text from Keller Williams or its affiliates using an artificial or pre recorded voice on a cloud based dialing platform or received one or more call made using auto dialing system from Keller Williams or its affiliates. So, it, I mean, it, it's the like $20. I don't think people are going to be filling this form out. I, that wouldn't get me excited at all. I'd rather, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, the, you would have to remember this. Do you have to prove you had these calls? Or it's, and that's such a broad, like from 2014 to 2022, I can't remember half the stuff yesterday. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just don't get, you know, and again, they're going to have to reach out to people to get folks to, what are they going to mass email people if you think that Keller Williams Like those commercials? You? Exactly. Did you get a call from <laughs> Keller Williams in between 2014 <laughs> and 2022? Right. So they're going to spend time advertising for people or not. Like, I don't know. So right. if you if they don't get up to their two million people to pay out this twenty million to twenty dollars each, what happens to the rest of the money? Because the attorneys are getting up to ten right. million. So where's the rest of the thirty if they don't get those two million folks to sign up? Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know either. This to me is a non story. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Unfortunately, realtors do this all the time, and I'm, I'm not. There's, there's no way you should be violating the do not call list. Let me just say that it's recorded, it's on the camera. People do this all the time, and these people that call these expired listings are so aggressive. And I know because I've, I've interviewed against them for these things. They're, they're just so aggressive and they're so belligerent on the phone that I'm clear that's why this lawsuit started in the first place because of their, their bedside manner, not trying to help folks. So, I mean, you should get fined for calling the do not call us that's that's what the law says like well everything we have scrubs it all i mean it's it's all very clear there so non-story for me so we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back thumbs down we need to get like a big (laughs) thumbs down sign or something we're going to come back we're going to talk about some big news about philadelphia real estate outlook as one of the hottest markets according to zillow in 2023 this is tool time real estate radio on wwdb 860 a.m You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. 
Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we stream live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Drop a comment. And tune in every single week so this is the first time i ever remember the philadelphia market being on one of these like hottest market lists literally i I can't remember one time this has ever happened probably have to verify that so zillow came out with their annual predictions for the hottest housing markets of the year factors include expected home value growth projected change in owner occupied households and job growth compared to new construction and number 10 on the list is your town, your city, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Woo! <laughs> Ironically, cities ahead of them. And tell me what you think about these. Charlotte, North Carolina, Cleveland, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Texas, Nashville, Jacksonville, Florida, Kansas City, Missouri, Miami, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, these are some major markets here. Mm-hmm. In the past, it's usually like an up-and-coming city or a developing city. These are established cities. I mean, and, and they're so established. They all have, like, major sports franchises. Mm-hmm. I think last year it was, like, Prairie Valley, Kansas, or I, I, some some place that was, like, outside of Kansas City. So this is interesting to me. So what's your just initial reaction from the list? What do you, what do you two think? Wow, there's nothing from the West Coast on there. I'll tell, I, I, have, I have a theory behind this. Great observation, Sarah. <laughs> and also, these are great places uh, for job opportunity. And I think that's why there's so much growth, too, because the job market is, I mean, it's, look at Pittsburgh. It's a hub of, you know, medical Tech, opportunities. medical, Tech, yes. yeah, you're absolutely right there. And Nashville, Tennessee, good God. I mean, that place, it has just burst. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the job opportunities are huge in these locations. Uh, and that's why people, that's why it's going to be the hottest, because people are going to relocate. I know in our area, just... Philly, Greater Philadelphia, people just love the area for the school districts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just beautiful. When I think That's that with crazy. the what we saw here in the last couple of years with um, just the appreciation that people got in their homes and how everything was kind of skyrocketing there, mm-hmm. it almost makes sense that they are more established cities that are on this list because they're able to withstand that. You mm-hmm. know, like there's they're established places um, mm-hmm. that people didn't just like go into because they got a good deal, you know? 
um, while people were working remotely and, you know, had the option to do all of that. So I think that probably plays into it as well. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because uh, Goldman Sachs and Zillow came out with uh, uh, an article and a report last week that they expect 2023 home prices prices to decline. And specifically the Western U.S., Sarah, to your point, some of which they're, they're saying they've already seen 10 percent plus depreciation in 2022. So some of these cities that are I mean, you're seeing uh, projected home price forecasts, Austin, Texas. Over a 15% decline. Now, that's, that's a city that's kind of blown up, and they've done a lot of development there. Um, and now it's, you know, they're, they're, there's, it's, it, you're not, it's not as robust. It's not as hot. San Francisco, San Diego, Phoenix, Denver, Seattle, Tampa, Florida. These are all projected 10% plus. Las Vegas, Portland, Oregon. And then you see Dallas, Texas coming in right around 10. And then all, the, all, all these basically East Coast cities, with the exception of L.A., Houston, I mean, you know, Detroit and Chicago, which are more Midwest. Philadelphia is very flat. And then the only ones they're predicting, predicting positive appreciation is Baltimore, Maryland wow. and Miami, Florida. I'm not buying Baltimore, by the way. I just don't I don't see that relative to where we are here. Maybe it's a smaller city. I don't know. So your point is the West Coast has seen these. Do you think the appreciation was great here? Right. It was mm. incredible over the. I mean, you're talking about massive massive dollars getting invested on top of that california's got major tax issues there's a high income tax in california so i know you're a baseball fan i know you're not that's okay philly just signed trey turner right he got a higher offer from the san diego padres but with state income taxes it was the same number he would have netted Mm. as the offer from the philadelphia phillies and it was 20 to 30 million dollars less Wow. So oh. that is a great case study of the off. So, I mean, just, just because the home prices are higher out there, you're not making as much money in these places. And right. that's why Florida has been such a hot market because they don't have a state income tax. So all these things are factors here. And I agree with both of you in that this is a stable market. Mm-hmm. We don't see the same highs, haven't seen the same lows, went through the same thing in 2008 where the highest foreclosure states were Nevada, Florida, California, Arizona, and Ohio. And Ohio was mainly because of a jobs issue there more than anything else. But the others were these states that see this incredible numbers, and they were all mentioned in that list where they're seeing the same predicted depreciation in 2023. So I'm clear that has a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. So what's the good news here for Philadelphia area residents? You see this? We're on a list. It wasn't like the ugliest city or the fattest city this time. <laughs> We've been on both. You guys are laughing. This or is... the most aggressive fans. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we always make those. We, have, we haven't murdered fans. anyone recently, yeah. unlike some of these other places. So uh, what? in all seriousness, with, with everything going on in the housing market, what's the good news here? I see a lot of optimism. I want to hear it from you, too, because you're in the field. I mean, I think it should make you feel secure in your investment, that it's not going to be a car that you drive off the lot and it suddenly drops in value, you know, like great point, you know, we might not have, which is good. We didn't have these, like, I mean, when we had insane <laughs> levels of like appreciation and um, growth and everything here in the last couple of years, but um, it was stable in the degree that we can, we can keep up with it and we can support it. Um, I think that if you, you know, do your due diligence, just don't go buy anything, but <laughs> if, you know, if, the numbers make sense and the property is right and it's a place that you're planning on like living in and being in know that you're making a good choice and that you're not just like throwing your money into something that is not going to be worth what you 
what you paid for. Yeah, it's definitely going to hold its value, mm -hmm. unlike some of those areas out in the Western mm -hmm. right, um, states that aren't, which is really what brings down the whole entire numbers. As mm -hmm. And this is where people get that narrative that the housing market or prices are going down. Right. But we're not experiencing that here in this market. So, yeah, um, yeah for sellers, for property owners, for investors, um, yeah, it's definitely positive news. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Because you want that, you want your investment to hold its value. Right. You don't want to buy, it's like buying stock and then all of a sudden the next day, you know, it goes down. Right. Like right. half of value. Right. Well, and like also, and we do have different like weather related things. We've had flooding. We've had, we've had different things. Um, come up that obviously can destroy a home. But mm -hmm. in general, like we don't have the wildfires yeah. that you've got mm -hmm. um, out west. We don't have the tornadoes that you see like spur up through some of these like southern states. Um, yes, we get our we we've had tornadoes before. But like in general, there you're also you don't have that exact same risk that you do in some of these other areas of the country that things could spiral up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have hurricanes. You got the wildfire. Like I would have a blizzard over a wildfire oh any gosh, day of the yeah. week. I mean, yes. and I think that that's one of the challenges. And and you know the 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 climate here is one thing. People do see value in the seasons. But I, what I know is that like you kind of know what you get here. Like we're not even even you look at some of the other Northeast markets, right? Mm -hmm. New York City. That's that's a little more volatile. Obviously, mm -hmm. very pricey. Boston, super pricey. Mm -hmm. Washington D.C. The same thing. I would argue in the Northeast corridor. This is probably your best bang for your buck in a major city. Um, and I don't think it's even close when you just look at some of the average sale prices that are there. And there's also the ability, like you said, Stacey, to have get a great job here. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important. There's you, know, you have Comcast that's headquartered here. You see a lot of financial services companies that, I mean, my, my neighbor goes to New York every week. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just what happens. And mm -hmm. you have the ability to commute. And this kind of got lost during the pandemic because people weren't doing that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to take that commuter rail up to New York City every day or go up there for the week, but a lot of people do it. They get on the Paoli line, they get on, you know, they, they go down to 30th, and they're going back and forth every single day. And mm -hmm. that's tough, if you ask me. I mean, it's maybe just about the same as driving an hour and a half, which some people do. I still wouldn't want to do that. So anything, any city you don't buy on this list here? Let's see. Uh, no, Atlanta. I Yep, that is definitely belongs on the list. Miami. Hmm. I mean, Miami is such an international yeah. hub. I, I, I don't think you're ever going to see that. You know, I, I, Pittsburgh, it, it, it's got a lot of, like, job growth there yes, for sure. It does. Cleveland, I, I think it's – these cities have seen kind of a renaissance a little bit. I think that's mm – -hmm. yeah, that's what I would say about that one. Um, and Jacksonville. I mean, is that even a city? Mm -hmm. That's my. That's more like Duval County, right? Like, it's not – and I've had people tell me this. A good friend of mine runs a team down there, the DJ and Lindsay team. I would argue it's more of a county than a city. That's the only, I, I don't buy that it's a city, but that's maybe a different argument. <laughs> How's Detroit been doing? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, that's not on the list. So it's that, not on the list, but no. I'm, I almost like could see, could it on see that as like a renaissance. Yeah. I feel like it's had wow. like this huge, like changeover in the past, like couple years. Like I have friends that like have just gone there for like the weekend and I'm like you're going to Detroit and they're like yeah there's a lot of stuff to do up there really? I mean I think it was usually linked with sporting events but okay um, yeah. okay that makes more that sense makes, yeah. yeah I don't know I've never been well Philadelphia you made a list that wasn't a bad one congratulations on cracking the top 10 yeah that's it for this week's episode of tool time real estate radio you want to follow Sarah she is on Instagram at tie underscore tie time 
That's T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow Stacy at the number two, Mitchco, just like it sounds, M-I-T-C-H-C-O. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD, at Tom Tool the third. And we're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group, GTS. Google that. You know what the S stands for. And we're streaming live every week. Give us a subscribe, like, follow. And we'll be back on WWDB 860 AM.